I'm Rene Ritchie, and I, I didn't think Apple would do this. I didn't think that they would take the iPad Air this far, this fast, but wow, howdy, they did. Sponsored by Ting. I've got videos coming up on all of Apple's brand new fall releases. So hit that subscribe button and bell and you won't miss any of them. So we've got a brand new, pretty much all new iPad Air and it is very close to the current iPad Pro in design. I mean, the bezels aren't quite as small. When Thanos snapped them off, he didn't quite get half. He got like three quarters. So it's keeping its previous size, the same size as the existing uh, 10.5 inch iPad Air, which is also the same size as the 11 inch iPad Pro. But instead of pushing display all the way out to those 11 inches, it stopped just shy at 10.9 inches. And the panel is remarkably similar. It's laminated, it's DCI P3 wide color gamut. It's got the anti-glare coating and Apple's calling it liquid retina. The only major difference now between the iPad Air and the iPad Pro panel, aside from just a small amount of size, is that it doesn't have ProMotion, the adaptive refresh technology that lets the iPad Pro ramp up to 120 hertz for Apple Pencil and scrolling and ramp down to 48 hertz for movies and to 24 hertz to save and recoup on battery life. This one just sticks at a rock solid 60 hertz. So just make all your 120 hertz comments in the comments below. Also, instead of Face ID, it has a new generation Touch ID. And because the Home button has been deleted, this Touch ID now lives in the top button. So basically it works exactly the same as before. You register your fingerprint with the system. It takes a picture of your prints. It turns that into math. It stores it in a secure enclave. And Apple said it's a faster secure enclave than ever. And it is a smaller surface. So you still have to move your finger around to register it. But because of that, when you later use your finger, it doesn't really matter so much what, which orientation or exact position you have on it. It should work regardless of how or what angle. And you just sort of leave your finger on for a second, whether you're pressing it or not. And that's enough for Touch ID to do its work. And some people might think that that's a lot less sophisticated than the almost transparency of Face ID. But a lot of us are wearing masks now, which makes Face ID either much more complicated or just non-functional unless we take the mask down or put in our passcode or password. And this provides an alternative to that. Sure, if your hands are you know, wet from washing them or you're wearing gloves, you'll have a different problem. But until Apple gives us both in one device, you're sort of picking your biometrics depending on your personal use case right now. It's also coming with Apple's brand new A14 Bionic system on a chip. And this is a part I, I didn't think Apple would do. I thought the A13 would be good enough and that the A14 would be saved for the iPhone. But Apple has this sort of fearlessness about just pushing the limits of their products. And they really don't seem to be afraid about cannibalizing or Osborning anything at this point. And maybe that's just because they are making all their own stuff. They are in charge of their own hardware destinies. And so they know they have a good roadmap coming up and they don't worry so much about what's in any individual product. But either way, this is the first time since the early days of the iPad when the iPad is now getting silicon priority over the iPhone again. And it's sort of really cool to see in a retro wow sort of fashion. So you do have the A14 Bionic here. And yeah, they're keeping the name Bionic, fourth year running. And I'm guessing that refers to the architecture of it, the way Fusion 
referred to the previous generation, and they're just going to keep using that name until something more substantial changes and sort of warrants a new name. And they didn't really reveal everything about it. They did talk about it a little bit. I think they're saving some of the details for the iPhone event or the iPhone release whenever that happens. But just some of the numbers that they put up there, most especially, most impressively, that it's on Taiwan Semiconductor's new five nanometer process, which you know they just went to seven nanometers two years ago, and they're already at five nanometers. And I say they because Apple in large part funds these new processes and everybody else sort of runs in behind them. But Apple just buys so much of the early yield, they get priority on all of this stuff. And just looking at the transistor count, it's like they're carrying Moore's law, limping though it may be on their shoulders for just a, a few more miles still. So is the iPad Air now OP? Is it overpowered? Is it better than the current iPad Pro? And for single-threaded operations, yeah, uh, this is an absolute racehorse now that only the next iPhone will equal. And whatever, whenever the next version of the iPad Pro comes, uh, likely with a A14X, will it beat it? Where this will absolutely also benefit you, though, is the improvements in the ANE, the Apple Neural Engine, and in the machine learning accelerators. But even the current iPad Pro with the A12Z uh, does have several advantages, namely the number of cores. It has more CPU and more GPU cores. So for any high-intensity workload, especially graphics workloads, just gives you much more to work with. And the iPad Pro still has more RAM, six gigabytes, and more storage options with half a terabyte and a full terabyte. So it really is maybe more clearly than ever a pro machine for people who really want that level of capability. In terms of accessories, the iPad Air is a first-class citizen. It gets both the new Apple Pencil 2, which is the one that works with the current iPad Pro and has advantages like being inductively charged and the capacitive button on the side that lets you change modes. And also the brand new Magic Keyboard, the camera on the back, which we'll get to in a hot second, the cutout is, is bigger than it's required for this. But because even though the screen size is just a little bit smaller, the chassis size is the same. So it fits perfectly onto the Magic Keyboard the same way the previous generation iPad and iPad Air shared the same smart keyboard. This new iPad Air and the iPad Pros are sharing the same Magic Keyboard, at least the 11-inch Pro. Where it gets really interesting, though, is that Apple's pulling almost an iPhone 11 play with these new iPad Airs, and that is going nanochromatic, Apple chromatic with the colors. You have space gray, you have rose gold, which looks a lot more rose than gold, at least compared to when the iPhones were rocking that color or the earlier iPads. And then you also have green, which is still more minty of a green than I would have liked, but it's, it's pastels this year. I have no control about it. It's just another 2020 thing. And then a sky blue, which again, isn't as intense as I would have liked, but I really do enjoy the variety of the colors they're giving us, even if there doesn't seem to be a product red at least not yet. You've got LTE, but no 5G yet, which I think is probably a blessing in disguise for at least this iPad, at least for this year still, and Wi-Fi 6, so it'll work with the latest, greatest Wi-Fi 6 routers. Also for connectivity, you have USB-C now, and it's full-on USB-C 
just like the iPad Pro. You can connect displays to it, you can connect peripherals to it, pretty much anything that you could connect to the iPad Pro, you can now connect to the iPad Air as well. And that just means it's aces for all of that sort of PC style productivity work. There's a new seven megapixel front-facing camera and a new 12 megapixel back-facing camera. And it's actually the same 12 megapixel wide-angle camera as the iPad Pro. It doesn't have the ultra wide angle camera or the LiDAR sensor that comes with the iPad Pro. So if you're looking for sort of the higher end photography tools, those are still unique to the iPad Pro lineup, but that is still a very good wide angle camera. And it's got the image signal processor from the brand new A14 chipset, which we don't know much about and may not learn too much about until they announce the iPhone but you just got to imagine is doing every bit of computational photography work possible to make the images as good as possible on the iPad as well. Now with these added features does come added cost. It's still less expensive than the iPad Pro, which might make it really compelling for uh, people who want those sort of features, but don't necessarily want to pay pro prices, but it's still more than $499. It's $599 now. And if that's just too much to pay for an iPad, well, Apple also has a brand new iPad 8, which in general is really, really similar to the iPad 7 that they announced last September, but now has the A12 Bionic chipset in it. So the chipset that was in the previous iPad Air is now in this entry-level iPad 8. And that's sort of the only real major difference here, but it's still a major difference. It still works with the first generation Apple Pencil and with the original Apple Smart Keyboard, which I still really like. And it doesn't have the same quality of display or the new design or any of those sort of more modern iPad features, but it also starts at just $329, lower if you have an education discount. And that remains, at least to me, one of the best deals in tech. And it makes it a heck of an upgrade for anybody with a much older iPad or a much older PC who prefers the capabilities of an iPad or just wants to get into the iPad for the first time. And it's shipping now. And regardless of which iPad you want to get, Ting is just a great way to save some money so you can afford all the ones you really need. Especially if you're at work or at home, just working from home right now with tons of Wi-Fi. There's simply no need to pay dime one extra for any more data than you're actually using. Same for talk, same for text. Ting offers coverage on Verizon and T-Mobile. So no matter where you are, if and when you go, you'll have more service options in more places. And it works with almost any phone. The iPhone, Sure, absolutely. The Google Pixel, Samsung Galaxy, yeah, the slabs and the folds. Pretty much anything you can put a SIM card into. The average Ting bill is just $23 a month. And that can be a lot of extra cash to put towards your next iPhone, to put towards your next iPad with no contracts, no commitments. And since you're watching this video, you can get $25 in service credit to try them out. Bring your own phone. Bring your own number if you want to. Just go to renearitchie.ting.com and see how much you can save and get $25 off. Seriously, just go to renearitchie.ting.com or click the link in the description and start saving with Ting. And clicking on that link just really helps out this channel. To learn more about everything Apple's announcing this fall, click on the playlist above. I'm gonna tell you everything you need to know so you can decide what you wanna buy and what you wanna skip. Just click the link above and I'll see you in the next video.